TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. We spent a couple hours together, and I always like to talk to interesting people. When I saw that we had an opportunity to talk to Brock Pierce, I thought this could be very fascinating. He's a former child actor. You may have seen him in some widely popular movies like Mighty Ducks. Now, one and two, if you remember, when they did the flashback seeds with Gordon Bombay, he was the player that they flashed back to, the young Gordon Bombay. But he was in First Kid with Sinbad. I remember watching that when I was a child, too. Uh, A couple of things he's done since then, really investing in technology. Uh, I see that he is into cryptocurrency and has done very well for himself there. And now he is running for president of the United States. Brock Pierce, thanks for coming on to KMOX. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I appreciate this. So, yeah, child actor. Um, and normally when you hear of certain names of someone running for president, you have your main parties. And to some extent, you talk about independents and Green Party and libertarians. But uh, what? where do you fall under all of this? I'm a uh, fully independent candidate. I am not running under a political party banner, though I have been nominated and endorsed and put on the ballot by the Independence Party of New York. Um, Former U.S. Senator Dean Barkley from Minnesota is my campaign director and has endorsed me as well. Uh, uh, The Independent American Party of Utah has endorsed me, but I am a fully independent candidate. Very cool. Okay, so now you're running for president of the United States. And before we get into some of the reasons why you're running in your platform and what you're running for, um, yeah, why are you running? So what's the what's the deal with all of this? Because when you look at the way our political system set up, I think everyone would pretty much look at that and they would say, okay, he's got no chance. So I guess just right off the bat, why are you running for president? Um, well, just before I answer that, My whole life, every time I've set out to do anything, everyone said, you'll have no chance. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's only impossible because no one, you know, has done it before. And so I've spent my entire life doing impossible things one after another after another, meaning stuff that no one has ever done before, something that's out there enough that it so defies the status quo that most people would say it's not possible. So why am I running? I don't know. If you look around and you see what I see, If you feel what I feel, you probably see that something's wrong, that things are not working as well as they should. And you might even go, wow, we're in trouble. You know, I think to a large extent we're doomed. 
if we don't do something different. So as someone watching this happen, I'm not the kind of person that just sits on the sidelines, you know, as systems fail. So I'm running for office and I can summarize it in one word. I'm running out of love. I love this country. I love the American people. And I'm going to I'm not going to be that person that watches things fall apart and go, I didn't do anything. I'm willing to lose everything I have because I care that much. I think it's time for some visionary leadership. I think it's time for some change. I think it's time for the American people to realize the main thing that we're supposed to do in this wonderful thing called life that we've been given is act according to our conscience Mm. and not make decisions out of fear to stand up for what we believe in. Right now, so much people are like, I'm against this, I'm against this. What do you stand for? What are you for? That's what matters more. Mm. When... um when we look at the things that matter the most, and in particular, let's say you were to put together the platform. So if you became president of the United States, these would be some of the most important things you would work towards. What are the things that you would want to get done in your first term? Yeah, so um, I think one of the things that you don't hear about from the other candidates is the U.S. dollar, for example. You know, the U.S. dollar is the foundation of our nation. It's the foundation of our nation's economy. Its status in the world, its reserve status, adds about 20 or $30 trillion of value to our economy. If something bad were to happen to the U.S. dollar, it would have a major negative impact on all of our lives, on all of our businesses and all of our institutions. And the dollar's status in the world is at risk. It is under threat. It's un- at risk because of our national debt, our fiscal policy, the decisions we're making here that are eroding faith and trust and confidence in it. But then there's also external threats. So one of the things I did in 2014, one of those things that everyone said, this is not possible, it could never work, is I created the U.S. digital dollar. That system is now doing $10 trillion a year in transactional volume. It might be the most important innovation in monetary systems since we left the gold standard. It's certainly one of them. And governments all over the world are using the framework that I set up to use technology to enhance their currency. And China is years ahead of us. And they've created the Chinese digital wand. And so this is something that you're not going to hear about because most people are not equipped to talk about it. And it really matters. Another thing that we don't hear from other candidates is, is technology itself. I mean, technology has changed the world and mm-hmm. it's only accelerating and continuing to change it more so. And technology is a tool. Technology mm-hmm. is amoral. It's neither good or bad. How we use it will determine the impact it has on our lives. And I think that we need leadership with the foresight that understands how to navigate that road so that technology is something that enhances our lives, enhances our businesses, enhances our institutions. And it's very important. Check out this movie called The The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix, and it shows how technology is impacting our democracy or our democratic process. It matters. I think we need leadership with their finger on the pulse. We've got artificial intelligence, robotics, automation. The landscape of work is going to change. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And our government at a federal level, our legislators clearly don't get it. 
Mm. You were in uh, movies as a child. I kind of alluded to the first ones. You played a young Gordon Bombay, the Emilio Estevez's character in Mighty Ducks when they did the flashback scenes. But you were also in First Kid, which is a Disney movie with Sinbad, where you played the first kid. So did that prepare you for a run for the White House? Well, um, it certainly uh, it, it taught me how to perform under pressure. You know, I'm kind of like uh, Cole. The more pressure you put me under, the more the more I shine. And so, um, uh, yeah, it was a, an amazing, what a gift. Uh, to, it, it made me, I guess, fearless. You get good at, you know, taking rejection. As an actor, you go on a lot of auditions, and they tell you no a lot. And so you get good at, like, going, okay, well, I'll just keep presenting and doing my thing until things work out for me. And so it's good training for anyone um, First kid, obviously, being interesting. I played the first kid or the son of the president of the United States of America with Sinbad as my Secret Service agent. Uh, Bill Clinton had a cameo in the movie, as did Sonny Bono. And I got to spend some actual time in the Oval Office at 14. And so um, I'm not sure that gave me direct experience, but it certainly created the right image. (laughs) That's kind of cool that you could do that. I guess that's the power. That was a Disney movie, wasn't it? Yeah, both Mighty Ducks yeah. and First Kid were Disney movies. So I did a lot of um, I did a lot of acting for Disney. But I made like 16 movies as a kid, and then at 16 years old, because I started acting at the age of three, I didn't mm-hmm. choose to be an actor. And so once I became a movie star, I'm like, oh, is this what I want to do? And I was like, no, actually, I, I want to write my own scripts. I want to yeah. be the director of my own life. And so at 16, at the height of my acting career. I, I told my management that I, I, I was going to quit and become an internet entrepreneur and that technology was going to change the world. They're like, are you crazy? That's impossible. You don't have the education for that. And you're, you're a star. You're about to be making seven figures a movie. You can't quit. And I'm like, well, I think I just did. And I'm going to go become a technology entrepreneur. And then I raised $88 million in 1997 for my first startup at 16 years old and 17. The money didn't all come in at once to build what you think of today as YouTube and Hulu and Netflix. Uh, Pioneered um, kind of most of the changes that uh, have happened to the media world. Wow. You know, can we talk some about that? I, you know, I want to talk about where you think technology should be going in this country, because you mentioned China and what they're doing. And I'm kind of curious where you think we're lacking and what we need to do as a country. Uh, do you mind holding on after the break? Sure thing. Brock Pierce is a former child actor. You heard some of his work there, but got into technology early and invested wisely. You can find him online right now if you wanted to learn a little bit more about him. Brock.vote. Brock.vote. He's running for president of the United States. We'll continue with him next on Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. And here we are in Overnight America. Joining us is someone that's running for president of the United States, uh, Brock Pierce, former child actor. You heard some of his work there into cryptocurrency, and I wanted to talk to him a little bit more about that. So, Brock, thank you again for coming on to KMOX tonight. Glad to be here. Thank you again for having me. I like your logo. So when I'm going through your website, the uh, Brock.vote, I, I really much enjoy the logo, whoever created that. Kudos to them. Um, uh, you know, one of the bylines that they gave us when I was looking at the uh, email that came through saying that you were available to talk to if anyone wanted to talk to you, and they say cryptocurrency billionaire. Is that accurate? Are you, are you a cryptocurrency billionaire? Well, I'm uh, 
famous for saying uh, on stages, kind of teaching philosophy for many years now, that to me, a billionaire isn't someone with a billion dollars, but it's someone who is positively impacting the lives of a billion people. I grew up playing games. I was a pro gamer, and I worked in the games industry for a long time. And so I view life kind of like a game of sorts. You know, call it the game of life. And in life, there's an options menu where you get to choose your own adventure and decide how you measure your success in life. And so I measure my success by the positive impact I have, not by what I have, but by what I give. And so I tend not to talk about money, but I think most people um, would say that I've, uh, I've been blessed with a fair amount of financial abundance. Oh, very good. I choose but, to yeah, live you... my life generously. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's good. And part of it is just investing in things that you see where we should be going, and then eventually it starts to go that way. Technology has always been something that people have kept their eyes on, you know, ever since, I guess, the, the big boom of personal computers. And next thing you know, we're looking at computer chips and the whole industry and Silicon Valley and all these things start going up. And then the last couple of years, the blockchains and how that's going to change things and, you know, investing in cryptocurrencies and watching the markets and the ups and downs. And, you know, there's been a lot into it. You mentioned how China is far ahead of us when it comes to things like cryptocurrencies. I, for one, am very scared of them. I I would not find myself putting a lot of money into them. But I've talked to experts on this, and they talk about how even if as an individual you're not using it, the companies that you do business with, they're using it. The banks, they're going to be using it because it helps them on the back end. And you might not even ever touch it, but you'll probably be using it indirectly and won't even know it. So where where are we right now technology-wise? in the United States um, compared to other countries like China? And where, I mean, what should we be doing right now in order to try to catch ourselves up? Well, I mean, we, America, we're the capital of innovation in the, in, in the world. Um, now, unfortunately, we're falling a little bit behind. I, I don't want to say we're behind and, and suggest there's not hope, but there's always hope. Um, but we're... Uh, stifling innovation for whatever reason. Part of the problem is um, the incumbents, right? The call it the old industries, uh, see innovation as a threat to their business. And so uh, they influence regulation in California, in New York, um, uh, in D.C. that is making it hard for innovators to innovate. And so we're actually seeing a lot of our best and brightest are leaving to move to foreign countries to create there rather than here. And I think that's a huge mistake. I think we're living through the fourth industrial revolution and it is imperative that we stay the capital of innovation and that we're not losing the best and brightest, but bringing them in from all over the world so that the innovation occurs here on American soil. And it can be done in a thoughtful way that stops, call it the bad actors. No one disagrees about like the issues of what could cause us harm. But I think a little but too much people are focused on how to prevent innovation in a couple of these major. Well, this is why Wyoming, Wyoming has become like overnight the capital of innovation in the United States. You've got these five, ten billion dollar startups. The top companies in San Francisco and New York are moving there. Now you've got thousands of new companies. And that's because you've got state legislators there that are like, oh, this is great. You guys need help. We can figure out how to create good laws that support innovation. And so it's a really interesting thing that I've been observing. Um, the good news is I have faith in us. So I want to I want to stay on that positive note. Yeah, we got a lot of problems. But guess what? Innovation is the answer to our problems. 
we've got 21st century solutions. And so um, I have faith in us. We're going to get there. And that's why I'm running for president. You know, some of the things when I go to your website and I'm looking through some of your policies and some of the things that you see as important to your platform. And, you know, anyone could go right now and check it out at Brock.vote if you wanted to. And when I'm scrolling down, um, I'm curious if you feel you share a lot of similarities with an Andrew Yang. Uh, similarities with Andrew Yang, I, I, I like a lot of what he says. He's very practical, right? I'm a common sense guy. And one of the things that Andrew Yang has talked a lot about is this concept of universal basic income. I talk about universal earned income. So technology is going to be eliminating tens of millions of jobs quickly. And so we have to find a way to create a safety net that ensures that no one in this country is starving to death, that everyone that wants some form of shelter has access to it, and that everyone has access to some form of health care. When people are desperate, when people are like, don't feel like they can survive, survival takes precedent over our values and principles. This is when the pitchforks come out. We have to find a way to address this. Um, and I think it could be a very good thing. And the good news is I don't think we have to like create or increase taxes to pay for it. The good news is we don't have a resource problem in this country. We are the wealthiest nation in the world. We have a resource allocation problem, an efficiency problem, an accountability problem, an administrative problem. We got a bunch of problems. Lack of resources is not it. And I think that we can realign incentives um, uh, to make this all work, but we have to do it. I mean, there's three and a half million truck drivers in the United States. There's Uber drivers, Lyft drivers. You know, there's so many people. And we've got driverless cars and trucks on the road already. This is not like some science fiction idea that's 10, 15 years from now. This is happening right now. And we have to find a way to make sure that our basic needs are met. And then from there, we have the, the opportunity to pursue happiness. You know, uh, this could just be the long type of strategy. You know, you start in first kid as the first kid of the, you know, son of the president of the United States. The first kid, too, could be coming out. And this could just be a giant publicity stunt for it where you're actually the president in that one. Is that a possibility? Um, anything's possible. You know, surprise. Possible. It's 2020. <laughs> it's 2020, the year where the unexpected is becoming the expected. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so I want to uh, make sure anyone that's listening here, they want to find out more about you, your, uh, the, more of what you believe, what you think, and how they could learn about voting for you. What's, uh, what's the best place to find out more about you? So you can follow me on pretty much every major social media platform, but come to the website, which is www.brock.vote. My name, Brock, is spelled B-R-O-C-K. It's like B-Rock, Brock.vote. And uh, right. I'm, I'm wanna, I want to connect with everyone. You know, I'm here to, like, figure this out with you. Remember, the future will happen to you or it's going to happen with you. So let's create the America we all want to live in together. It's very nice. And I got to say, I appreciate all the time tonight in Brock.vote. Brock Pierce, thank you again for joining us on KMOX. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. You too. That was kind of cool. I thought that was really neat. Get to um, the, the nice thing is sometimes you forget that when we have this political system where we only focus on two people, that there's a lot of other people trying to do things for the country. And it's good to learn about more than just two people, you know?
So if you wanted to go check that out, we'll post it on the podcast, too, and you can find links. Uh, he joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Thanks again. It's Overnight America. You. Whoever you are, oh, or on a wherever you're listening, to limit the power oh, of St. Louis I'm County sorry, Executive Sam Page uh, during this pandemic. Oh no! The county council. I can't do this. In- I'm sorry. I was trying to bring up an article and it started playing automatically. Oh, that bothers me. Oh boy. I know. I went to mute the uh, article and instead I pinned it and it made it so I couldn't get to the article. It was the Fox Two article talking about the St. Louis County bill. I think you might be able to get it on KMOX.com. I was reading it from the Fox Two from earlier. You know what? Number one, I hate websites that autoplay video. Can we just stop this? Is there any one person that would go to a website and say, oh, thank you for autoplaying this in front of me. Don't you want to wait to press play before you do it? Websites that do that just annoy me. Unbelievable. It's so stupid. Websites that do that. At least on, let me mention this, at least on KMOX.com, they mute it. So you don't have to worry about audio playing when you go to the website. But, you know, these news websites like that that do that just drive me nuts. All right. Sorry. So uh, from earlier, you can probably find this in a couple of different places. And I was alluding to it that here in the county, we had last week the filibuster by public comment. And I don't know if you saw any of these different uh, news um, newsletters and things that went out. But Sam Page and the county executive sent out letters, email reminders saying, hey, um, we thought you might want to bug county council with more public comments is essentially uh, soliciting to try to keep that filibuster going and keep it alive as the county council continues to read county messages and and then the public comment that came in trying to delay the inevitable which is the vote to try to reel in some of the power which ultimately shouldn't have been given to sam page to begin with so where are we today so finally they read through the what 2000 or some public comments i'll have to get tom sullivan back on because we brought him up last week about this And they knew how it was going to go, and they realized that, oh, maybe it was a bad idea to give all of this power without oversight into the county commissioner's hands. What happened between that vote originally when they decided to do this for the COVID spending and now? There's a few things that happened. Number one, we look at all of the questionable spending in the county in the way that they decided to do it. You can just, if you want to compare apples to apples, How did they spend money in the city versus how do they spend it in the county? So what if you wanted to put up temporary housing or a place for people that could quarantine if they are in need 
And you want to be able to have these facilities open for first responders because you want to take care of the first responders. In the city, they decided to do a voucher system. If you needed it and you thought it was necessary, they would give you a voucher and you'd be able to quarantine at a uh, hotel. Okay. Or how about the other side? Well, the county said, oh, how about we're just going to block off an entire hotel? And essentially, I don't think it was the whole thing, but it was a majority of the hotel. And we're just going to pay for empty rooms month after month after month. They spent way too much money there for rooms that weren't even being used. In some cases, they were just letting homeless stay in there. Then you can look at things like, well, what if we overload the hospitals and COVID is as bad as, you know, what some people are rising and saying that it's the worst thing ever and we're just going to have... Um, it's just going to be like the black plague that's going to sweep through and we're just going to be overloading morgues and we're going to have all of these issues. It's better to be safe than sorry in the sense to be prepared because the worst thing you want is the worst case scenario playing out and you're unprepared for it and things get worse from that sense. But luckily, thank God, it wasn't that case. In fact, we never really overloaded the hospitals. Uh, We were very much monitoring and things were getting up, but it wasn't to the point where we were overloading it. And we found that to be true in a lot of different areas. Uh, Very few cities, the ones that really had a hard time hitting it, but particularly here, we did not. So what happens? Okay, we're going to build a facility over in Earth City in the county. Okay, what did the city do? Well, they just did temporary, just in case. Did they need it? No. But you know what? They had it in case they did. You can spend some money here or you can build it over there. You can spend... Yeah, I mean, how much millions were wasted in the county versus what they did and were pragmatic, at least responsible in the way that they spent in the city? And, you know, I'm not the the biggest fan. I'm not going to go out there and start campaigning for Mayor Krusen. I'm not going to definitely not going to do that. But you know what? She did it right. The way that they led the uh, COVID in the city, they did a good job with it. Okay, so what happens between what we originally found? Okay, they give power to Sam Page. And stop me if I'm wrong, by the way. Go ahead and call if you think that Sam Page should have unlimited power in all of this. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. So they find out a few things. Number one, um, maybe giving unlimited ability for him to just write the check and go with it without having to go through county council is a bad idea. Maybe there wasn't that... Uh, urgency where, hey, we're going to have to do something right away and we can't get a hold of anyone else as if we're not all working from home and as if they couldn't be able to call a session in order to do a vote in a short amount of time, as if none of that is available, but absolutely it's available. Number two, we had that audit and more details of that audit come out. And what did they find in that audit? Not only were there instances of our former county executive, and what we see with uh, Steve Stanger. But then we start to see really some things not necessarily mirroring, but the same things that we should have concerns about when it came to Steve Stanger and the way that he operated is the same things we should have concerns about when it comes to Sam Page in the county and the way that he's operating. As in the the, uh, audit comes out and they point out a few things and they say there's really a lack of oversight. Now, who was at the helm when there was a lack of oversight? For Steve Stanger, it was Sam Page, and that was pointed out inside of the audit. Now, we're going to take that person that did a poor job when it came to oversight with Steve Stanger, and that's to say it lightly. You can even go even further if you really want to. You can go even on the extreme end and say, you can say maybe enabled. You can say, what if it was more than that? What if it was more uh, devious than that? What if it was actually more intentional the way that these things were going through? What if these were all these things? You know, 
But now you're saying, okay, that person that was irresponsible when it came to oversight over someone that's in federal prison right now for the corruption during his administration, that person that was trying to keep and not keeping that person in check, that's the one we're going to give unlimited power to. So the county council, I don't know if you saw this, but they ended up voting and saying, yeah, we need more oversight. And they decided to vote and they did. They voted. They want more oversight. Um, the bill is to try to limit the powers of St. Louis County Executive Sam Page. They wanted things like, oh, I don't know, um, disaster declarations 15 days at a time. An extension would be needed if that's the case. Um, they wanted to be able to just have, I don't know, comment kind of like the county council should. But Sam Page, from what you hear in the news here at the top of the hour, is just going to veto that. Isn't that something? As a county council... They could say, okay, we want to put these checks and balances in place because we feel like you may be out of balance. And the person says, nope, we're just going to veto you. You're not allowed to do that to me. What does that say about the uh, the way that we run things in the county? That is something that really needs to be addressed. And if you're listening right now and you think, hey, um, we should put unlimited power in the county council's hands. Or how about this one, the county executor's hands, where they would be able to veto a county council that comes together and says we want to put checks and balances in place to make sure things are on the up and up and things are being kept honest. And the person has the power to say, nope, because well, I'm not going to let you do that to me. That should be super concerning. If anything, there has to be some sort of firewall, a safeguard put in place based on what we had with Steve Stanger in the county. There needs to be something to put in place so we don't have a Steve Stanger point to. Uh, 2.0 or whatever. We, we don't want a Steve Stanger too. But what if, if we're going to allow it to continue down this path, what do you think we're going to get? What do you think we're going to get? Everyone should be concerned about this. Uh, 314-436-7900. I should just call Tom Sullivan just to talk to him. I'm so, when I read this, I was very upset. <laughs> but I didn't schedule anything with him. I'm going to try to get him on. I'll, I'll try to get him on the show this week. Maybe there'll be some more developments. This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Here we are in Overnight America. There's a story at KMOX.com. I want to talk about a fluorescent man who found something landscaping his yard. <laughs> I love stories like these. Uh, let's first go to Chris, who's holding on the line. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi, Ryan. I just want to make you and your audience aware that I just heard on a CBS broadcast, news broadcast, that Kristen Welker, who will be moderating the upcoming, whatever they're calling it now, debate or show, will be able to cut off anybody's mic whenever she feels like it. And I just want to ask your listeners, who do you think is going to go first on getting their mic cut off? <laughs> I wonder I if mean, there's Vegas odds on I mean, we need to be aware that. of this. These people are manipulating the airwaves. When you think about it, it's wrong, and somebody needs to call them on it. Yeah, it's, so today's Monday. The debate is on Thursday, and they're changing the rules ahead of it. That is interesting, number one, that they would do it so quickly. Uh, very easily, they could have worked things out in the past. It's wrong. It's wrong. I, a lot of people are concerned. I don't know how it's going to work out on Thursday, honestly. I don't know. I, you know honest, but though, Chris, don't you think a lot of people were frustrated when they talked over each other? I mean, they were going both ways. Definitely President Trump spoke over Joe Biden more often, but don't you think that uh, most people just want to try to tame that down a little? 
I think you're giving them a lot more credit than they're due. I think they just want to cut Trump's message off at the knees. So you think that they're using this as an opportunity to try to interfere more with the president's message as oh, he absolutely. gets his time? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I see this too? I don't think you are either. Well, the other thing, I guess you can look at this and say that this is a way for Donald Trump to try to challenge Joe Biden on the things they refuse to bring up to him. So now they're going to try to f- find a way to mute Donald Trump, bringing up things that the moderator should be bringing up, but it really isn't. Exactly. But we need to protest that as citizens. It's ridiculous. Uh, we'll see. I, I just want to see how this goes. I'm just glad they're going to debate. I'm not I'm not thinking that it's still set in stone for Thursday. Anything could happen between now and then, and who knows. But, uh, Chris, thank you very much for your call. Good to hear from you. 314-436-7900. I was going to talk about that next hour, a little bit about the developments today when it comes to what exactly is going to be happening in this Thursday debate, which you're going to hear on KMOX. It's Thursday, 8 o'clock. They say it's about an hour and a half long. I don't know if it'll last that long. Uh, The last ones have actually been pretty much on time, the first presidential debate and the vice presidential debate. Uh, They say an hour and a half, but, you know, it goes about an hour and 40 minutes. Not too bad, actually, not too bad at all. So if that's the case, um, join us this Thursday. We're going to have great guests lined up after for this last debate before the general election. And next hour, we will talk about that. I also want to talk about the latest developments when it comes to the Hunter Biden laptop. A couple of things have happened. Um, Number one, we found out that they haven't ruled out, but they haven't said it was disinformation. So you have Adam Schiff out there trying to push this narrative that it's, oh, yeah, no, 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 we already know. The intelligence community knows it's misinformation. Well, that's actually not true because the Department of National Intelligence comes out and says, nope, um, actually, we have not said this is a disinformation campaign. We don't we don't know, but we're not saying that it is. We haven't ruled that it is. Or in fact, we haven't even said that it is or indicated that it is. So you uh, wanted to at least try to make that a point that anyone saying that it automatically is is not accurate. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is that apparently this was sent to different networks. Apparently every network passed on it. New York Post put it out. There have been some other things that have surfaced that try to put some validity to it, as in there's some independent uh, things going on around these emails that would indicate that there are at least some things true about it. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of questionable things about it, but I'll give you an update on that next hour. And also the New Yorker suspends Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, and he was on CNN, of course. He does the whatever, the eye on the media or keeping them, whatever he calls it. it. He's really not a person that I think is all that a stand-up guy. I mean, he's got a really checkered past, has done some pretty lousy things in the past. The fact that CNN had him kind of is fitting for that network, but still. He was pretty much, uh, <laughs> let me just say this. When you're at your home and you're doing a Zoom call, a professional Zoom call, as in you're working, And you're doing these breakout sessions and you're talking to other people, strategizing about the upcoming election. And it's probably best for you to have pants on. And it's probably best for you to keep your hands above your waist. And it's probably best for you not to be doing things underneath the desk where people can see it on camera during your work time. And very creepy, disgusting things that were caught and people had to see from Jeffrey Tubin. I wonder if that makes him a sex offender. Like if, if something like that's up on the camera and someone puts it in like complains, if they feel like it was intentional, could that actually be something they can press charges? That's, that's really creepy. Honestly, <sighs> doing during a work call. So weird. Um, so we're going to talk about that after the news here at 11 o'clock.
But one other thing I wanted to bring up is a story at KMOX.com. Fluorescent man uncovers history while landscaping his yard. So he was working out in the yard just like some people do. Him and his wife are pictured with their two dogs, look like some really sweetheart dogs. Cody Miller and his girlfriend, Lauren Murs. Okay, so unmarried, but they look like a great couple. Come on, guys, get married. So when a fluorescent man started doing some work landscaping, he was digging up, and you can find this at KMOX.com, what he thought were paving blocks. I've done this before, too. When I've done some landscaping, you start digging, and oh, great, they left the landscaping rocks in. Oh, pain in the you-know-what. You have to now try to pull all this up, and it makes it harder, and every time you try to get the shovel down, you're hitting rock, which makes it even harder, so eventually you just you know do everything you can to pick this up. So they dig, 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 and they thought there were just some rocks under there. Well, no, it wasn't paving blocks. Instead, they had these giant tombstones that started coming out. And there's pictures of these tombstones. Names and all, you can read most of them. They look in pretty good shape, all things considered. Some of them date back to 1822. 1822. Like one they say, uh, the stone read, uh, sacred uh, to the memory of Michael Connor, native of Wexford, Ireland, who departed this life August 31st, 1822, age 64 years. So he's putting these things up, and he's seeing these tombstones, and he's thinking to myself, oh, no, did I, did we build this house on a grave site? Oh, no. Because all movies have that moment where they find out that they are living on a plot of land, these horror movies that they shouldn't be, right? They overstep their bounds, and sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. So now he was thinking to himself, oh, I can't sleep at night. You know, I'm laying down in my bed. I may be over human remains right now and not even know it. And then sometimes when they find these things out, apparently, uh, what do they have to do? Do they have to legally go in and try to, like, excavate the whole land? Do they have to dig and see if there's remains under there to remove them safely? Does, does that pretty much... Uh, does that pretty much kick him off of his property for a while? Well, no. Luckily, the home was not built over an old gravesite, but it's not too far from the St. Ferdinand Cemetery, which was next to the fire station. And they say that he's, uh, I don't know if they moved it. Maybe there are some other issues, but for whatever reason, these tombstones found their way over to his property. Luckily, no bodies. And they said he plans to can them over to the historical Florissant Inc., the historic society there, and they plan on displaying it in the park. Pretty cool. These things look awesome. I mean, if you... This is so perfect. This happens right around Halloween time, isn't it? I mean, he could have at least said, hey, um, I'll give it to you after Halloween. You know, the 31st is coming around. I'm going to have the best decorations on the block. No one else. Hey, the neighbors... Are, oh, yeah, the Smiths across the street, they might have nice grass, but uh, they're not going to have real tombstones in their front yard this year. <laughs> See, that's something that you should be able to take the neighborhood crown for. Really step up your game for these tombstones. Some of them you can't really read. I mean, they just look like blocks of stone that have it completely washed or whatever was on it before. Some just have names with no dates, and then you wonder what exactly happened. What if this is just like the, I don't want to use the term graveyard, but what if this is the graveyard of tombstones in the sense that maybe they mess it up? So, so they're like, okay, we got to do something with it now, so we'll just kind of like just, we'll dispose of it over here close to the cemetery. But uh, good for him for finding that. You can see pictures of it if you want to at KMOX.com. All right, so what exactly is going on with Jeffrey Tubin on that Zoom call? Some adult situations in that sense coming up next. It's Overnight America, KMOX.
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.